Sunday, December 9th, 2018. This is Postmarked. I'm 28, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, I'm in the Chamber of Secrets. Oh my god, you've made it to the chamber. I'm in the chamber, and uh, not quite as good as the Elimination Chamber, but I'm still enjoying it very thoroughly. You know, here's the thing, and and I remember, because you read Harry Potter... Just a couple years ago. Just a couple years ago for the first time, and... I thought that it was super enjoyable to watch you come back from like coffee shops and just be like, I read Harry Potter at the cool coffee shop and everybody was so stoked. It's cool to do that. I'm talking to everyone about it. And I was like, that does sound like fun. And now that I'm where I'm at, in in the second, second book in the Harry Potter series, I love going in and talking to people. Are you about bringing Harry it to Potter. places? Oh, you're bringing it to I'm the shops? bringing it to places. I'm bringing it up at places. Yeah, talking about because I just met Mr. Weasley, dude. That guy. Oh, the dad. I want to freaking. I want to have a beer with that oh, guy. Oh, if only. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetie pie. Uh, yeah, favorite favorite character is Hagrid. Second favorite character is Mr. Weasley. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a good assessment. Yeah, so it was cool to see them interact too, because I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is these are my guys. This is like, this is like, uh, this is like Shawn Michaels, uh, and and AJ Styles. But if Shawn Michaels uh, wasn't uh, Shawn Michaels now, and if AJ Styles wasn't a Republican, yeah, yeah, 100%. exactly, right? You get it. That's a, I can see the and mapping. It's a universal analogy too. So that's what I've been For telling any everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So. it's cool though. I think one of the cool things about that is that I think you and I both have a storied history of struggling with bringing high concept white male author books into coffee shops. And within that spectrum of books is, is something that you don't feel very self-conscious about or uh, like on a Raymond Carver book. Maybe you could, you could, you could bust that on anywhere, Yeah, but that extends all the way over to your infinite jests of things. Uh-huh. And you bust that book out in a coffee shop and you feel like a real a-hole. I feel like such an a-hole. And Harry Potter, you could just do and everyone's stoked and you don't have to feel bad about it at all. I know. I know. And I wasn't holding out for like a specific reason. It's just like, what am I going to, what's going to get me to like sit down and do this thing? Yeah. It just has to happen. I think it just has to happen. So it's happening. And this is a good time too, because we are, as far as professional wrestling goes right now, I think that like uh, so much of, of media just stops the beginning of December. Music, it's just like, all right, now it's time for lists. Yeah. And, you know, movies you do get like the the Christmas uh, you know, Blockbusters, right? Yeah, Star Wars movie comes out out. on Christmas. Is there one even coming out this year? I don't think so. But like, they took a break. They got tired. Hey, I'm so Uh, tired of all these Star Wars. uh Um, and and now with wrestling too, I think that there's a little bit of a holding pattern that's going on right now. We are um, in a in a phase where I think what they're trying to do as best as they can is to keep everything at about the same basic level that it was at after survivor series and try and carry that through and 
get to the Royal Rumble build with everybody in pretty much the same spot that they were in. That's what it seems like. And it's funny also, just thinking about how, you know, we, us two, and we collectively as wrestling fans are often trying to find the common threads in things or the patterns in things. And I think there's a large, often we say, oh, it's always like this around this time of year. And then you get there and you're like, oh, but yeah, you forget about the, you know that it's going to happen, but you don't understand like the full malaise that you feel. Totally. It's like being sick. It's like getting a cold where you see somebody else with a cold and you're like, ah, yeah, been there. Mm -hmm. That sucks to have that runny nose and that headache or whatever. And then as soon as you get it, it's just, this has never happened before. Right. This it's is so terrible. debilitating. It's so, it's so awful. It's the only thing that you're able to think about. And then you, you, you know, you sweat in the middle of the night and shit like that. Treat everybody around you poorly. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> that's because I do too. And it's because you're, you're a dude. Yeah. I think that that's like. fucking dumb dude. It's a dude. We don't have to deal with, uh, we don't have to deal with the uh, suffering that uh, that our counterparts uh, endure. And so whenever something like mildly wrong happens to us, it's just the fucking end of the world. Everything's the worst. And I think that that's always like something that's used as like kind of a a judgment of, uh, of character, especially for like older, older men. Like, you know, someone who's, whose dad is a pain in the ass and you hear complaints about this person, guarantee that when they're sick, it's the end of the world. Yeah, they're just the worst. Terrible to be around. So that's something to, it's like, it's like that. And then arguing with somebody in public, just remember who you are. Remember, gentlemen out there, Context. this is what you look like. And this is how you sound. But I, this is a time, too, where it's like, all right, I know that I'm not going to miss anything. Nothing big. There's going to be there's going to be good stuff that's happening. But it's also like this is a great time to branch out. It's a great time to go and watch the playlist, the match of the year playlist yeah, on the network. That's worth bringing up. Dude. Because... I think there's two, there's multiple things happening there. First of all, this is like a completely new way to watch wrestling. I don't think people watched wrestling like this previously without trading tapes and recording everything and, you know, uh, a lot of VCR usage or like a lot of torrenting. It took a lot of effort to be able to put together end of year, like match of the year compilation right you have to you have to at the very least be um able to reference like you know if if it's logging it in your own brain in like february like oh this is like this is like a match of the year but i don't think the like of the year list really was a thing that anybody talked about aside from like publications doing it uh, this is this is like a a recent trend of the last ten fifteen years. Sure. And this idea of compiling it the way that WWE has, it's just it's so fucking fun. It's very cool. And there's matches on there that I think even if you're making your own list without the resources of the WWE telling us what is a good match this year, 
if you're doing it on your own, there's so many matches you're going to miss. Like, reading through that thing, they have 20, 30 matches on there, right? Yeah. And half of them are WrestleMania weekend, but there's also, like, a bunch of other ones that are on there that are great. The Seth Rollins gauntlet match that I, like, we talked a lot about, but I would never have gone back and watched that on my own without thinking it's on an episode of Raw. Like, I would not remember to do that. Right. And I think them having this, like, archival library of stuff is so useful. It's so nice. And it's just so fun to kind of realize that, I mean, this is the way, this is the way that it works in, you know, you look at, you look at music. There's no new music that comes out after the end of November because, lists are compiled and you also see you also see people who are releasing things late in the game i think to help uh put them in a you know get a little bit of recency bias in where they appear on lists i don't know if that's actually like the thought but it feels it feels like deliberate that you know earl sweatshirt dropped a record on 11 30 a couple years ago Pusha t put a record out like late december and well it's what the movies it's like what movies have done forever all of the good movies that come out at the end of the year because the academy awards are at the beginning of the year right and um you know i don't i forget where i was going with this exactly but no it's it's like it's like okay nothing new is happening right so what do you do well, you go back and you and you look at like you listen to what you liked over the past 11 months or you just like my favorite thing is the crowdsourcing like oh putting together my list what did i miss it's like how does it how does it work that you're making a list of something that is your favorites of of the year <laughs> and you don't know about it you didn't know about it until someone pointed it out to you and that's your favorite now yeah Oh, good thing I good thing I knew about this record. It should definitely go in my top ten. It's like I, I don't know. I feel like part of your own. It's subjective, sure, but if you want to be like objective, uh, the the objectifying of your subjective list should also. Um, I think there's there should be a partial category of like, well, this is a thing that I. Uh, fell in love with at this time and listened to it through this portion of the year not like oh yeah my friend suggested this on a facebook thread three days ago right it is a good record i'll put it on my list you know now that i'm thinking about it it's actually better than the thing that i uh discovered on my own in september yeah and it's not like you're writing this list for rolling stone or like a website or, or somewhere where you need to be moderately like objective you're making your own list make your own damn list and and that should also apply to the fucking the 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 dingus that's on Facebook, who's uh, the only real fan of music here. <laughs> that's me. Mm-hmm. That's me. Okay. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what's the matter with you? You don't actually like music like me. I'm the best music liker. I'm the best at music liking, and that's why my list is the definitive. List. Look at my list. Read it, please. And, um, but with with wrestling now, you know, we're, we we were talking last week about how. We just need to accept the fact that raw at at this period of time and the way we consume wrestling, it's not necessarily can't miss TV anymore all Very the time. So. And this is another aspect of it too, where it's just like if you want to enjoy wrestling this month, 
here's a here's a ticket. It's the same vehicle that you use for all of your other wrestling watching. Just do it Just here. Just click a different thing. Fucking fucking put your put your Christmas jammies on and watch it. Yeah, I've been thoroughly enjoying digging through the uh, WWE match of the year list. It's been kind of nice to revisit some of the weird ones. The other thing though is, you know, I don't know if it was you. Somebody in our our group text thread said what's what's everybody's uh matches of the year what's your favorite match of the year and i think trying to conflate and obviously like that shows the subjectivity of it all right because we watch a ton of wwe a good chunk of new japan and then aaw shows in the odd other indie show right and we know that there's other amazing matches that have happened i'm sure there's some like will osprey match that happened this year that was just mind-blowing i know and and like i like wrestling enough to have a have an opinion on it but i know that like great things are happening in in pwg Mm -hmm. but it's it's like okay this is this is the aspect of of this is this is where my ability ends i can't go further right i watched dominion this year yeah the, the 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 cup oh yeah the g1 yeah. It was great. That was a lot of wrestling. That was a lot of wrestling. That was a lot of work. It I was. Worked, I worked really hard this summer. I watched a lot of wrestling that summer, this summer. And even even that, I think you brought up in our, when we were talking in this text thread, you brought up that, uh, that Omega versus Ishii match. That's from the G1. That was so good. And I completely forgot about that. Because the G1 is its own beast of... That deserves its own ranking system entirely. And that's also that was that was the impulse pick because I remember liking that match so much. And I actually believe I was keeping track during the G one of like what my favorites Mm -hmm. were. And I love that match for a lot of uh I think that I think that lists are Doing lists are fun because you can you can do objective picks, you can do the sentimental picks, and you can try and do something that's like kind of a combination of like, this is what I know is the best, this is what was certainly up there for me. Here's one or two that are just like you know, maybe if we if we sequence these out and I'm as objective as I can be about it, I can say that this is like the ninth best match of the year. But I love Ishii. I love that he beat Omega. I love everything that Omega and Ishii did separately in the G1. There's my number five. Comes pick. together. Yeah. And I mean, it's always that argument of, favorite versus greatest or objective best uh which i don't know where the line blurs there or what that actually means here's an interesting one so pat and i have gone back and forth um over the past couple years you know we both get back into seinfeld and i think i think a couple years ago i just hit him up and i said top 10 episodes of Seinfeld what do you got and his number one pick 
is the contest. Sure. Which is the easiest one. To, that's the best one, right? It's objectively the best episode of Seinfeld. It is the dictionary like definition yeah. of what you would use to explain Seinfeld. Everybody is very, very solid throughout it. Just a categorically untouchable episode of Seinfeld. For him, it's number one. For me, that's in my top five because I feel like if it's not in my top five, then my top five five. is a flawed top five. So he puts it at number one as a way of saying it's the best one. And I think I have it at number five to just say like... Make your list legitimate. I can't not do this yeah it's like putting a bob dylan record you gotta pick up even if it's not your favorite record you gotta throw that into your list of greatest records of all time right exactly you have to you have to hit it and then there's there's all sorts of you know different it's like it's like picking uh bruno san martino when you're when you're listing the greatest wrestlers of all time you fucking telling me you're gonna watch a bruno (laughs) san martino match you fucking aren't so full of shit. You're 25 years old. Watch that thing and have a good yeah, time. Enjoy your time. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I do think it's interesting though to see that as a decla- like a, a declarative statement when you're, and I think that that's specifically between you and Pat. I think that's very emblematic of how each of you views this kind of like public talking about a, a consumption of media. Right. Where Pat is like he has that old radio broadcast guy personality where he's like an authority in a lot of ways on on wrestling and he if i'm going to talk to anybody about what the greatest wwe match of all time is then like yes i want to talk to pat yeah he'll have an answer for me that i can believe but like obviously you are coming at it from this like postmodern angle of like literary fiction it's like it's like hey if it's my list i'm gonna tell you why i think that this is a more enjoyable episode of seinfeld or if it's my list i'm gonna tell you why i think this is uh the best wrestling match that i saw this year and like that very well could come into play where you're like yeah i had a really uh I went to a funeral this weekend and then I got back from it and watched this match and it was the best match of the year. And that would, makes it the best match of the year. And I would think that I, I think that the way that I consume really anything is that that is intriguing to me hearing even if it's somebody that I that I don't know. It's in, it's intriguing to me to hear that you consumed it here and it did something for you um, even if even if it, the, you know, the, the mental space that you were in had nothing to do with wrestling. Sure. So. Uh, and it's why we like Joan Didion. Right. You know? Yeah. That like subjective documentarianism, I think is a really interesting thing. But it also, there is validity, I think, to the idea of trying your best to build an, without, there's no way to build an objective list, right? But like to try your best to do it, I think is a cool practice. I will say that the list that I that I sent, which was I hadn't thought about things really in terms of like a okay, like let me let me place these things together. But my number one pick of of match of the year was 
Omega versus Okada. Sure. And I, I do think that that has a lot of like emotion. It's, it's an emotionally charged pick for sure, but it's also like, that is so, (laughs) it's so objectively better than anything else that happened. Um, that it's it, it it absolutely like I can't put a list out that says anything was better than that. Yeah, it's I think that's what makes that feud so transcendent is that while it everybody had the, this amazing, I think it probably helped a lot that it was like a conversion feud for a lot of people uh, of a lot of Westerners starting to watch New Japan based on this Omega Okada feud, right? I think that helps a lot. It's like your first one. Uh, it's the attitude era of New Japan for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. The thing that's bringing them in. But I also think that it's objectively the best thing that happened last year and this year. And It's funny how it's just like, you know, you're... I think that there's a different energy into, you know, if you're showing... uh a list like this to people this year there's a lot more charge that goes into like the best match of the year was pick three of the omega versus okada matches Mm -hmm. and this year it's just like there is a lot more interest in like what my number two pick would be yeah totally it's just such an established fact and I mean, that, well, do you remember what your number two was on this list that you made? Uh, Becky versus Charlotte. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, totally. I Which... didn't expect to be talking about about this this stuff today, but you know, I think that the that's I think that that's a pick that I'm throwing out there with a little bit more of like a argue with me, I dare you. Yeah, like you let's might talk. Be right. Yeah, I think that's the thing with this being so fresh that you throw it out there with this visceral feeling that it just happened and you're in the midst of this like freight train that's running. Yeah. But like throw it out there and like, let's unpack that. I think that's like what you're doing with that call as this, as your number two match of the year. Well, yeah. Prove me wrong. I would love to just talk through why this wouldn't be the best match. And I do have like later today, I'm doing the better yet end of the year episode. David, and uh and nina corker and are coming over and we're gonna talk and it's i think it's gonna be more of just like a what happened this year like let's try and put like a narrative to things Mm -hmm. but i do have like a list and earl sweatshirt is number two on it and if i had more time it might be number one but it's where it is because I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the effect of it because I am very, very invested in what I was thinking only a couple of weeks ago and how I think it ties things together. And it's it's there for me to just be like, here's why this is important and great. Yeah, this is an impactful piece of art. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing too to consider the fact that like we talked earlier about you drop your piece of art towards the end of the year so you get that recency bias but that also kind of hinders things because if you're trying to put together a list of the things that were most impactful to you the things that were the most subjectively good uh this year 
Earl hasn't had enough time to sink in to, to really affect your life. You see him on lists and he is very scattered in places. And I wonder if it's because of the fact that people haven't had enough time with it. Um, there's also the fact that it's a strange record. Sure. It's not an easy, uh, it's like if To Pimp a Butterfly came out um, in November, it would just be like, word up, throw everything away, right, right. shift everything down, this is it. Um, that record coming out at the very beginning of January in the year that it came out had no impact on the fact that it was the number one record of the year. Right. Um, which might just be, you know, I guess kind of the opposite effect of, of that where it's like, okay, word up. We're, we're two weeks in and the standard just got set. And it's, it's funny. Cause you know, when we, we talked about it briefly when we all saw each other this week, but Ben brought up Almas and, and Gargano. Yeah. And I was like, forgot about that one but that was such a captivating match and i think that we were all when we all watched it together it was like oh fuck that just like set a standard for the year to come yeah definitely and i think it was also one of those things that we went in i don't know that was that was one of the things that really solidified nxt as something greater than the sum of its parts for me it was one of the things that uh solidified the fact that it's always going to be an amazing show. Because like, I think we all went in with tempered expectations. Yeah. It didn't seem like the... It seemed like it might have been the point where, you know, we'd passed through so many different um, eras of stars mm-hmm. who just made it, made it so important. And... I think, yeah, we were all kind of like, all right, this is maybe a point where it's like feeling a little bit thin. Yeah, I mean, all of the stars, I think the first batch of indie stars that we kind of worshipped. Right, like the had Howard, gone through Owens, All Zane. of the people that were in ROH or New Japan when we started watching wrestling again mm-hmm. had just finished going through NXT. So it's like, here are our, our guys. These are the 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 indie darlings that we finally found and then they've gone through and because you look at it and i think gargano is maybe the first like nxt talent who has really done the start from the bottom yeah and work his way up you know gargano is kind of like the Bret Hart of of his generation. It's like tag team, blood feud. Now he's now he's fighting for the title and love the guy. Obviously any doubt that you had about Gargano being in a main event position has been smushed. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're I don't think that there's a uh, male WWE wrestler that had a better year than Johnny Gargano. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think that there's not, you can't, maybe Ciampa is the only person I think you could argue for. Right. But 
I mean, that's its own thing. And to see him, yeah, go in there and it feels like, oh man, this is, you know, this might be the first, the first time that they've like lost, lost it. Everybody's gone. It's thin. Oh, now we got Gargano up here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, Oh, wow. They're bringing this tag team. He's the one that's going to be in. Yeah. Uh, and then it, and it works. It works immediately. Our expectations are completely exceeded. And yeah, it's a match of the year candidate right off the bat. Not to, and certainly not to discredit Almas, who I, I think, you know, I think was a similar form of that. Totally. Too. I think him, we were all surprised that he beat Drew McIntyre. It seemed like, oh, wow, okay. Now we got, now we got this guy and he's, he's cool and we like him. We actually like him a lot, but still. Well, and he was an interesting one too because almost coming up was kind of like a secret blue chipper, right? Coming from CMLL, who like he taught Naito, right? Which is like should give him all the credibility in the world. Uh, but first, I mean, seemingly in the middle there, NXT was dropping the ball, or he was dropping the ball. Something wasn't happening. Something wasn't clicking. And I think we all thought of him as kind of a noble failure, and I that. That match, I think, really solidified things entirely for both of those dudes that could have easily been mid-tier guys. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I just finished his match with Alistair Black from uh, Takeover New Orleans. It's fucking fantastic That's too. So good. I think that I don't know. I'm not worried about him. I know that. I know that. Almost. Yeah. Mm. I know that he's where he is. I know that he's going to go whenever they let him i'd like to see him work with nakamura sure yeah i could see that working really well and i think they've done a good job of even if they haven't pushed him to the moon right off the bat i don't think they have to push everybody to the moon first and foremost every nxt call up doesn't need to be in the main event picture right away i think they've done a really good job of just letting him show up every now and then in a high profile match Yep. They throw him in the, the six-man elimination match for the number one contendership or whatever, telling us he's in this position. They'll have him fight the champ in a non-championship match. That kind of shit is a really great way to keep his position going without, like, totally damaging him. Well, it's interesting to look at, like, I think Rusev had a really interesting year. Mm-hmm. We we all got really behind him. We all got a little mad uh, that he didn't get pushed into title picture but he had great matches all year he was he's never not been over i think people have cooled on him a little bit but also what he did on smackdown this week was awesome and he's never gonna not be so fun and such a welcome presence and if they ever want to do something more with him as far as pushing uh, him into a title picture, they can. It's wild how Rusev is, they've done such a weird job with Rusev because it seemed like he initially had the, the standard giant push, right? Like the monster heel. I wasn't too into it at first. Me I either. thought it was just like. Like, I don't know. It just seemed to have not a lot of character right. to it. And then I for he got over for me just because he's so 
he's so animated and his like monster is silly yeah he's blundering for sure and i just was like oh man he knows what he's doing once once the gimmick started winking i think once the gimmick started telling you like it's playing the chic it's playing the iron chic like we're goofing here that's when it became great when he came out in a tank once he won dude when he came out like that was Uh mind-blowing but he also right around that time he won an award from vladimir putin yeah the only (laughs) other he's the second person to have gotten this award the other one is like a five-star general and also (laughs) rusev and the fact that he's got a bulgarian flag tattooed on his arm he's flip-flopping like representing russia from bulgaria it's just like so silly there's a there's a He's one of the more postmodern wrestlers out there, and I think that there's a lot of really interesting subtext going on that made him so compelling. I think he's got an ability to play both sides, and once that became clear, it was like, oh, dude, this is sick. He gets it, and you can kind of, you could buy into the monster gimmick because it was just like, oh, like, heck yeah. I get it. I understand the show. I see the picture frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I would it, one advancement that I think is worth talking about this week is Daniel Bryan is doing something that I think is so fucking captivating and smart um, because he's basically like he's playing himself, right? He's he is an environmentalist he is a vegan but this character um it feels very indie daniel bryan right this seems like such a specific thing that it it almost is um it just seems to counter the wwe idea of all right let's take this and and animate it but maybe make it a little bit more um I guess universal and this seems like very timely and it also seems to be um he he's picking at something that's not it is a little bit like you're all a whole lot you're all slobs yeah but this is a like issue that's of the time and it's specific yeah it's I mean it's half straight edge society right it's like half of the CM Punk thing but the other half is very real and political and and it's like it's prescient in a way that something as simple and as narrow uh as the straighter society it's it's like daniel bryan talking about environmentalism and veganism and i mean that shirt also is that his shirt or is that is that a daniel bryan shirt though the heart i feel like he just wore it that's what i thought too which maybe is the case i want that shirt I want that shirt too, and I, you know what I really want? I want him to to fucking. I want to let. I want him to let his hair turn into hippie dreads. Oh my god! And he's got that look too. That's just like, you know, the shitty condescending guy at the co-op. Mm-hmm. Or you ever see that episode of Always Sunny with the the shitty. Uh, environmental dude that is is given i don't i don't remember the 
He's a jerk, all right? He's a jerk and he's got dreadlocks and he's and he's mean. <laughs> and and he really lays into I think Mac, but I don't know the character's names, but it ends with it ends with Mac uh like destroying the tree that he's trying to say save and then turning to the guy and saying, "I banged your girlfriend." Oh. I want Daniel Bryan to be to do that. <laughs> no, not to do that. To be the to the be fucking guy. shitty guy that's just like got terrible dreads, mm-hmm. and he's got the look there, and it looks like what he would normally wear to the ring. But the unkempt hair is where I'm just like I'm envisioning those just going into bad dreadlocks. Dude, he could he could do some really good shit. It's just some good like half crusty oregon just like flannel asshole i think he could just turn his because he's for the past few years he's been like stand up oregon right like decent human and i think he could turn that thing into the condescending prick side of stuff that just like sits in the coffee shop and yeah like comments on people uh-huh uh, doesn't do doesn't buy job. anything. Doesn't buy gets, anything, but like brings his own granola. Can, right, he brings his own granola. Um, even though you saw granola, he uh, gets a chamomile tea and gets four re-steeps. Mm-hmm. And as for hot water, uh huh, brews uh-huh. it himself. Oh my god, oh my god. We had a guy like that who, one time I caught him on the back stairs using his computer. Like he lived in the neighborhood and then we had chairs set up for for us. So like have a smoke break or whatever? Yeah. And I go outside and he's sitting there and he was like, he was such a creep. Was he an adult? He was an adult. He was an adult that made a few of the uh, non-male employees a little uncomfortable. Sure. Um... And oh man, I could go to town on this guy just being being the worst customer. But he hung out in the back. Yeah, and and there wasn't a way not, through the shop to get to the back. This was like he's getting on everybody's nerves, and then I go to take a break, and he's sitting at in your break room, basically. Yeah, your, on your break porch. And I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, no, it's cool. Like, I'm like, no, you can't sit here. No, it's not cool. You need to leave. And he's like, I would like to call uh, Agnes. She said it was okay. The manager? Yeah. And I'm I'm like, okay, you do that. You do that somewhere else because I'm sitting here because this is our table. And this is clearly not okay. And and it was just like a like I'm gonna slowly put my things together, and <laughs> and I just sat down. I just sat. Just like, I'm gonna sit I just here. sat there and started to eat. Motherfucker! One time he got. One time he came in with with someone. And it was like a like a date situation sure. or someone he was like trying to like impress. A first date. It was awesome. Come to my local shop. It was awesome because she wanted like she asked for like an americano with an extra shot um with vanilla syrup and a steamed topper or some shit okay. like that. Yeah. And it was just I like want a drink. And she, he's just like he literally was like, "Whoa, that's an order." 
And she's like, I swear to God, this is what she said. I know what I want. And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, well, what you want just cost you $6. So that's cool. Enjoy. And then he, and he'd been in the shop plenty of times. Right. He's you a tea guy. Him. He's a tea guy. Uh, a re-steeper? He asked for a caramel macchiato. Cool. So I did what? Did you do? I did what anyone would do. <laughs> I made him a macchiato with caramel syrup in it. So a little, uh, uh-huh. a little two ouncer, two and a half ouncer. And I make her drink. I make his drink. What's this? And he looks at me and I look at him. He doesn't say anything, but his eyes are, that's not what I want. Right. And mine are, you want to, <laughs> you want to tell me what you really want? You want to tell me that you didn't know what you just ordered in front of someone You're who gonna knows what dumb? they want? And Oh, that's true too. It's not just like she got whatever she, some normal as she's very specific about her coffee that she likes. She knows what she wants. You don't know what the fuck you want. Dude. You do. You have no idea. And so he uh, is like, thanks. And they were looking to go. And he has a like, can I get this? And, uh, and I'm like, we don't serve macchiatos to go. Oh, that's it's on the so menu. Good. You should know that. You've that's been right here. You're, you're here all the right? time. And so that was a like, because he starts to ask, and I'm like, we don't, we don't serve those to go. And so that was cool to watch him try and squirm a little bit. Yeah, he squirms because he's like, oh, let me try and like pay this off, like it's like it's what I want. And then he drinks it real quick, and then and then leaves. And I don't think he saved face, and I felt very good about that. Yeah, I think that's uh I'm sure she saw it and was like, "Huh. What's this guy even um Yeah. He doesn't know what he wants. This guy's just an ass." Yeah. So, Daniel Bryan should be that guy. I guess that's true. That's pretty good right illustration. What what I'm it's it's funny too because I think the idea that he, that he's yelling fickle at at a crowd feels so town hall that is such a fucking like logan square auditorium heel thing to do yeah definitely and that's super exciting to me because i think that he um i think that he has enough sway to be like look i'm doing this and it's going to get over and it's not exactly by the book but let me do it yeah, he's definitely allowed to do what he wants. He's allowed to stretch the standard heel stuff a little bit. And I think that weirdo heel persona combined with the uh he's doing the I mean he's do, this is a classic heel maneuver where he's t- he's telling the crowd that he's playing them like a fiddle, right? Right. He's telling them like uh I can get you to say this and I can get you to do this and you're doing this because you're told to which that fits really well into his build as a character like he's the kind of this daniel bryan hates the idea that people are sheep like that makes sense it's not just someone saying i think 
that's a heel move. That's a really easy heel move to say, like, you guys are all sheep, and you just you don't like me because you think I'm a bad guy, but yeah. I'm not. You're just sheep. Like that's easy and simple and like single layered. But what Daniel Bryan's doing is being a character who hates the idea of authority telling people what to do. And then he's building that into why he doesn't like the crowd. Right. And 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 he's he's pointing at them and saying, like, what you are referencing is old and it's played out and you think that it's funny and you think that you're being smart, but you're not. You're following you're following into a pattern that is establishment. And yeah, it's, it's something that you're doing and you're not thinking about it. And that's your problem is that you don't think about what you do. It's fucking beautiful. It's so good. It's so thoughtful. And he's so hateable. Yeah. He, man, because I, I don't know if, um, I don't, we've seen a heel Daniel Bryan in the WWE, but it hasn't been this variety of daniel bryan he's been completely different he's been nasty but and he's been annoying but he hasn't been like no like i hate you people and here's why yeah dude i think this is like about as realistic as daniel bryan's ever been i mean his initial heel run was winking the entire time it was so silly it was over the top it was like a children's it was almost like a children's bad guy for a children's book and as a hero he was just it's just it was built so heavily into the meta narrative of the wwe at the time that we're not even like really viewing him as a person but now him as this he just seems like a shitty dude. Yeah, and he's and he's a shitty dude who also has a bone to pick with people who are who were behind him, but his bone to pick is not you weren't behind me enough. Right. It's just I don't like you and I don't care about you. Well, and like we always say that a good bad guy has valid reasons for being a bad guy and this is so valid. It's it's interesting to hear somebody who's like, you're mad at me for doing one bad thing, and oh, here's so what good. you do every single day. That was that's so biting, man. That's so good. I think like I've been reading this book series recently, and that's like the thesis of it is that uh, everyone's greater than the worst thing they've ever done. And I don't know if I believe that or not. But right. It, it's a really like interesting concept to mull over. And I think Daniel Bryan is very specifically doing that right now in a really interesting way. That's like, yeah, I don't know if you do one bad thing and you do everything else really well. Like he has some sort of philosophical argument to make there that is biting and makes people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. Which I think is fucking awesome. And I really like too that like you have the Miz have him on his show and Miz is saying, I'm glad that you finally understand that it's not about how you win it's whether you win or not that's what the record shows and that's what matters and daniel is like no i don't like you either i don't align with your way of thinking here's what i think and i think that's an important distinction to make at this era of storytelling and wrestling and i think that it's important too to 
continue to keep those two separate and at odds in different ways. A lesser a lesser wrestler would have certainly just aligned with the Miz there. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe some sort of tenuous agreement to be friends. Uh but to have them both be bad guys that don't agree with each and I'm sure they're gonna tag in the next some sometime between here and right. WrestleMania, right? They're gonna be in the same tag team. But to have them still at odds with each other is so smart. And I, I think too that like if there was any sort of alliance formed, we'd just be like, Okay, well when's when's Daniel gonna turn? Right. And this is no, let's uh let's watch Daniel just play this character out because it's new and it's different honestly i think if those two fought each other the miz would get some cheers like that would be, he would be the baby face in that match i've been wondering because it seems like there were there were instances of like the survivor series build where they were portraying him in in a slightly baby face tone I, the, the miz still has the same exact crowd response as he's had for the past two years since he caught on fire right yeah we still love him and we still love to boo him but i think we love him so much that it would be easier to cheer for him the crowd would cheer for this guy and because we respect him at this point right it's the respect absolutely. cheers and boos i think mm-hmm. absolutely yeah we boo him because we're supposed to because he deserves those boos that he's earning. But uh, yeah, but he's gotten to such a point with with the entire audience that it's like for anybody who was like, oh, the real world guy. Now they're like, it's amazing that he's that he's committed to this extent. Um, and that's, you know, some people internalize that as a as a reason to cheer and and other people i think internalize it as a as a reason to boo because that's what you're supposed to do with him right right and and also though i i am very it's it's interesting to see very rarely do we see heels that are not aligned or baby faces that are not aligned unless it's like we got to get this championship belt but it's really cool to see these two people that just don't agree at all on anything except for the fact that they want to be assholes. Yeah. And I think that's like a really cool, a really cool dynamic that's added to wrestling at this point in time. Right. Right. They want to be assholes, but one of them is, is making it clear. I still think you're an asshole. Yeah. You haven't, that hasn't changed for us. There's, there's more, it's more than good versus evil, which rarely happens in wrestling you know what i've never thought that you were an asshole and that's why i'm glad that you're here Mm. that's why that's why i'm glad that we uh were able to to carve out this time today and i'm so sorry that has to be cut short Mm. but these dogs need to be washed These dogs are barking these dogs are barking i tell you what's really barking is chloe's butthole because somebody needs to go in and uh and just gotta get the old juiceroo yeah that thing's just gotta be loosened up a little bit she's been she's been anxious and i'm wondering if if it's because her butt juices is just sitting there and and gassing her up that's definitely that's definitely what it is but uh you know we we get together uh once a week mainly to make sure that we're continuing to get together because we are well i know that i am i'm a person who who doesn't uh doesn't make it easy to hang out with me either so here we are once again it's good to, it's good to see you again it's good to see your your hair continue to grow i would suggest maybe some locks 
Um, oh, yeah, and I'm that, thinking about dreading good, this out. That'd be a good way to to show that you support Daniel Bryan in his efforts to make the WWE <laughs> a little bit more environmentally conscious. Um, so it'd be great uh, if he used his championship reign to make sure that the semi trailers that or semi uh, the trucks that are that are shipping all of this stuff from town to town start running on oil or maybe hydrogen cells but we'll see how that plays out sure either way we're doing our part over here by recycling and by conserving our friendship which is the ship that i want to sail on forever we hope that you're enjoying uh listening to me try and and put uh, a bow on this because i'm struggling but uh you know i wouldn't have it any other way subscribe tell a friend come back next week we'll be here thanks bubbas Trust a thousand dollars.